I don't do anything, excuse the expression, half-assed because my father instilled into me at a very young age, if you're gonna do something that's gonna take some time, you might as well do it right so you don't have to redo it. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey folks, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I am grateful to have Wade Cleary of Century 21 Executive Team in Tampa, Florida. Wade is a real estate professional. Hey, Wade, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark, how are you? So tell us a little bit about Tampa, Florida. What's the market looking like these days? We are January 2022. Yeah, um, didn't think we were going to get here with COVID, no. Um, but uh, it's, it's been, it's been a, uh, an interesting roller coaster ride. Um, I remember specifically uh, probably about February, March of 2019, go, or excuse me, 2020, and I had a listing. And uh, my clients were um, moving, they were relocating to Texas and they were getting ready to put their townhouse that they just purchased basically about a year and a half ago on the market. And, you know, he hadn't really put too much, you know, sweat equity into it. It was just basically the, the equity that was built up into the property. And so he asked me, he goes, hey, do you, do you think this, you know, this Corona thing is going to basically impact our, our ability to sell? And I said, I go, you know, and it was really the first time anybody ever asked me how the, the virus was going to impact real estate. And I think what happened was the, the lesson that I learned from that was that everybody just kind of puckered up because nobody knew, they just kind of held their ground and they wanted to see after the dust settled um, where everything kind of landed. So that was, a, that was a little bit of a scary situation. And then after that, like, you know, as soon as April, May came around, it was gangbusters, at least here in Florida it was. Um, you, couldn't, you couldn't hold a house uh, with, a, with a for sale sign in the front of the property for longer than 48, 72 hours without having just people knocking down the door. So it was, a, it was an interesting, you know, couple of years. And, you know, I expect, you know, prediction wise, I expect 2022 to be pretty much the same in the, in the, in the first Q1, Q2. Um, but, you know, after the midterms, we're going to kind of see where things kind of go from there. That's interesting. So, so what did you tell that person in February of 2020 when we were all like, uh, I don't know. It was in that, that house actually stayed on the market for a little bit. Um, and there was also some other factors, some competition, some other units in that particular. It was a very small subdivision. There's only like 14 townhouses in the subdivision. And um, there was some other competition coming on. Uh, they, they wanted to kind of test the market and push the market a little bit by having the price up a little higher than where I suggested. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're the boss. They're the client. Uh, they're going to tell me what they want to do. I'm going to suggest. I'm going to make my... I, you know, my best uh, case for the reason why I think the price should be where I think it should be. But ultimately, they can say, no, we want to go $50,000 higher and, and push the market. And I'll just say, okay, you know, if we don't get any traction, we got to we got to revisit this, we got to come back and take a look at this, because obviously having a listing that's, you know, out of price is no matter what you think the value of your house is, it's the market that basically dictates the end all be all price. So that one was uh, was a little bit of a tricky one. They were they were um, sweating it because he's a he's very much of an analytical numbers person. So you know every month was you know he just keeps on seeing the the outlay of cash for having a second mortgage and you know all these different. You know, he's got two households that he's running, so it was a little bit stressful for him. 
Um, I did a number of open houses. You know, I was calling clients, kind of, uh, or excuse me, calling uh, buying aid, buyers agents, and kind of just you know circling back around with them if there was even the slightest price change in a in a in a positive direction. You know, as far as a drop goes, I would kind of just circle back with the the, the people that had come by the first time and just you know re make sure that they saw that there was a price drop. So if that was you know the buyer was still out there looking and they didn't find anything and this was potentially on their short list, that they could come back around for them. That's so important to have a professional taking charge like that, as opposed to putting the sign in front of the yard, putting it up on the listing service and, and hoping for the best, right? Yeah, You're no, actually I, taking I, action. Yeah, it, it's, it, it behoo I mean, there's been a couple of houses that I've had that like that. Um, some unique properties uh, that don't really fit the, the cookie cutter 322. Um, so it was, uh, it was a little bit challenging, but I, I feel like, you have to kind of at least get a conversation started with some of the people because, you know, I know for me, I've got, you know, right now, you know, pre-COVID, I had, I have buyers, but now it's just like the buyers that I have probably like 75 to hundred buyers that are either kind of like six months out all the way to actively looking currently. Um, you know, so if somebody comes to me and they just, you know, even if they just kind of dangle this in front of my face, they say, Hey, listen, just wanted to let you know, uh, we, you know, we put new carpet here or this house is, you know, back on market or just went through a, you know, a, a 2% price drop or something like that. Kind of just, all right, well, maybe I got a new buyer or maybe my buyers basically changed some of his criteria and this might now actually fit for them or just bring it back to them if that was one of their initial hit list houses. And then, you know, say, hey, that house back on Main Street is, you know, they went through a $50,000 price drop. You, you, are you still interested? Do you want to take a look at it again? Because, and again, like I say, I, I'm always kind of, I'm talking about, you know, pre and post COVID because post COVID, you know, it's, you have, you can't shake your stick. <laughs> and hit a house uh, that you would like to get into quickly. But, um, you know, it's, it's just part of the, I guess, my mentality, my, my work ethic. I feel like if a seller is going to pay me to market, list, and actively sell their home, I've got to do my job, which is getting out there and just kind of putting that house in front of people that I think would be a good fit for them potentially. So tell us about the buyers. What are you doing right now with those buyers when those buyers have such strong competition with other buyers trying to attain that same home? Um, you know, I, I'm a very uh, honest person, um, almost almost to a, a, a degree of like, not in, I, so I, I, tell, I tell this all, all the time to my clients that I am like brutally honest because I don't think it benefits anyone to sugarcoat anything. And one of the analogies that I always use is that I, I'm even like brutally honest with my wife, you know, she'll, she'll come out and she'll be like, Hey, what do you think of this outfit? I'll be like, yeah, you know, that's not your strongest look, or, you know, I don't like that or this or that because she trusts me and I'm, I'm her partner. Like if I came out and I, you know, I, I mix matched my outfit or something like that, or if I look God awful, I'm trying something new. She would tell me because she loves me and she's honest with me. I don't, I don't take offense to that. So my buyers are very much the similar, uh, I, I tell them in a very similar situation. I'm like, listen, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a challenge right now to find something that you really like because all, this, all the really well-priced homes that are kind of in that 322 bubble, the, the norm, I'm sorry, I keep on doing these, uh, these like little analogies or these little acronyms, 322, three bedroom, two bathroom, two, two car garage. Those are the most, I guess, popular homes uh, that want, people want the most. Um, so when they're going after a very competitive uh, product, such as the 322, 
what's happening is, you know, they're always, in, they're nine times out of 10, always in a multiple offer situation. I think some of the stats that I've read, I think there are average of at least five offers per home. Wow. As, as far as the numbers that I've read, at least nationally. Uh, down here, when I have listings, I usually get anywhere between minimally a dozen up to three dozen. So it's, it's, and, and don't get me wrong, they're not all at the, at the same caliber as, you know, the top one or two offers out there, but it just to show, it goes to show you how many people are out there looking actively. So I don't, uh, like I said, I don't sugarcoat anything with my buyers. I explain to them that this is going to be a, a process. Uh, I try to manage their expectations because I don't want them to think like, oh, they just come along and all of a sudden they'll just tiptoe into a house, put an offer in, gets accepted, and then 30 days later, they'll be moving in. Um, I feel that would be a, a disservice to the client. And uh, so I, ex I explained to them, and, but I also try to find out what they want. You know, if, if somebody's highly, highly motivated, like, hey, we have to get in, this is absolutely, you know, I say, okay, this is, way, this is the way that most of the offers that I've been seeing on my listings are coming in. And I've given them examples. Um, so if they're coming to the table and they don't have a lot of cash on hand to go in, in, in this market right now, post-COVID, uh, this market is people are, if the asking price is 350, people are basically saying, hey, I'm going to give you 375 and I'm going to guarantee that I'm going to go ahead and do that appraisal gap. So even if the house appraises at 350, the contract says 375 and I'm going to guarantee that $25,000 extra above and beyond my down payment, above and beyond my closing costs. I'm going to guarantee that to you, the seller, to make sure that you understand that I'm a serious buyer. And so it's um it's a little bit more of a chess game down here versus checkers the way it used to be. Um, but I, I feel like I said, you know, to me, honesty is always in any relationship is the best way to go moving forward. I love that. I love that. Transparency is is the key to success in my world as well. Um, I, I see from your social posts that you work with a lot of veterans. Yes. Are you seeing any disparity with accepting offers because maybe the VA inspection is more challenging than a standard appraisal or any other reasons that might handicap them? So there's a lot of, um, this is just, I've only been in this for five years. Okay. okay. I, was in, I was in construction for 16 years before I got into uh, real estate. So, you know, there's a lot of, I guess, rumors or just, you know, uh, stigma about the VA uh, appraisal process. And don't get me wrong, there are certified VA FHA appraisers that are out there doing their job because they have to look at the house through a different set of glasses. So when you get out there, like if I'm going to go take a look at a house for, for a buyer, um, and the reason why I work with so many veterans is because our office, the Century 21 Executive Team office, my broker has been in this for like over 35 years. When she first got her, uh, when she first started in real estate, she started in uh, relocation for military and corporate relocation. So that's kind of her niche. So when I came and I joined with her firm, um, she, she basically opened up right after the crash in 2008. She opened up her own Century 21 office and she's been going guns blazing ever since. So we're a very small office, uh, but we have like this boutique feel, but we have this global presence with the Century 21 brand. So we kind of bring, bring the best of both worlds together. But the reason why I liked her platform, because uh, I, when, I, when I interviewed to go into real estate, I interviewed several different uh, brokerages here in Tampa. And I just liked, I like the concept. I like the feel. I, I feel like one-on-one -on -one for me is like face-to-face -face is the best way to do things. This is a very emotional purchase. 
So I want to, because I, I remember when I purchased my houses in the past, you know, I don't do it every day. So, you know, I kind of forgot a lot of the small nuances within the actual process. So this is an overwhelming process for somebody. And when they have a job and a family, and now they're dealing with other things that are affecting their, their, their way of life, I try to make this process as easy as possible for them. So to circle back around to, to the veterans, uh, yeah, I do a lot of work with veterans because we partner with, with different veteran programs. So when I help a vet, it's because I've kind of met a certain criteria within my office standards as far as, you know, just different training and understanding the process. But when we actually look at, when we start to go look at homes, I, I, tell, a, I tell a veteran, listen, I go, you're going to be kind of hamstringed a little bit. You're going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage because you're going to be going against cash and or conventional offers. The VA has this negative stigma about it, you know, that the, that the VA appraiser is like the boogeyman. He's going to go out there and he's going to say, oh, there's a, there's a chip tire. We're going to mark it off. And then you're never getting, the house is never going to pass appraisal. I go, that's not the way it really is. I mean, back in the day, there used to be some harder hurdles to overcome. Again, I wasn't around uh, during that time, but that's kind of, you know, the stories that I've heard. But the same appraiser that can appraise a conventional home can also appraise, if they're certified, a, a VA, and they're, they're still going to get their comps from any home that's out there that's, you know, basically within the same, you know, half a mile, six month, uh, you know, same bedroom, square footage count relative. Uh, so they're not basically just pulling only VA homes. They're not, it, it's a, it's a, it's a total look at everything, but as long as the house looks clean, when we go to walk through it, I kind of know what to look for. I mean, obviously you want to make sure there's no rotting woods and there's no activity. There's no visual activity of any kind of termite, um, evidence and just, just, just there's certain like little nitpicky things that the VA wants, but that's, those are, they're just making sure that the veteran is getting into the home uh, without having to basically, you know, obviously put this tremendous amount of time and outlay of cash into it, but still coming into a, a quality home. They don't want broken windows. They want to make sure that there's no leaks, leaking roofs, things that any home buyer should really, really want. They just want to make sure that the veteran is going to be protected going into this. So that's just a clause that they can use to, to make sure that their money, their escrow deposit is not being sacrificed. So you're, you're trained, you're educated, you're working uh, continuously with these folks that have served us so, so bravely. Do you have strong referral partners from the lending side to help smooth that process for the veteran? So we're, we actually have a, a, a pretty unique uh, relationship with Veterans United. Uh, they are a referral program uh, that we are aligned with. And what happens is, let's say for example, you're a military veteran and you're gonna be you know, relocated here to McDill Air Force Base in Tampa. And you obviously don't have a loan officer and you don't have a, a realtor. So what they do is they kind of help with this process of getting you from point A to point Z. And they're gonna be helping you obviously with the loan. And because they're that's all they do. They're, I think about 98% of their, they're the largest VA lender uh, uh, mortgage house in the United States. And so 98% of all of the loans that they do are VA based. So they want to, cause there's some nuances within, within a VA loan and a VA mortgage and all these different things that are, to be honest, quite different than a conventional or an FHA. So they want to make sure that the partners that they're, they're referring these veterans to are, you know, well-versed, they're going to take care of the veteran, uh, the way that the veteran is taking care of our country. And they want to make sure that they're, you know, they've got somebody that's, you know, not just a dead fish on the other end of the line. So um, when a referral comes across to me, I basically introduce myself to the veteran, find out exactly what they're looking for, get them established and set up from a, from a search criteria so that they can have direct information to our local MLS. 
And then let's say, for example, you know, you're a vet, you're a Marine, you're coming down here, you, you know, whether you're gonna be retiring down here or stationed here, you're coming down with your family and you're like, hey, in six months, I need to, you know, I need to go move into a house down here in Florida. So I'll get you set up. I'll have a, a local MLS search set up with the criteria that you're interested in, in the areas that you're interested in, with the price point that you're interested in. And you'll know the price point because you're gonna be talking to the loan officer and the loan officer is gonna be like, okay, you know, Mark, what's your debt to income? You know, you know what, what, what's your income? How much debt do you have? He'll get you set up from a pre-approval side. That information gets sent to me. And then we start looking at houses that fall under that cap. So if your cap is $500,000, then we're gonna look at homes that have the amount of bedrooms, the bathrooms, square footage. Do you want a pool? Do you need a pool? Do you want a garage? Do you, have, do you want a garage? All these different criteria, we'll plug that into the system. And the cool thing about the local MLS is that when the agent puts the information in, the listing agent puts the information in, they will put all the different types of financing that the seller is willing to review or you know, potentially entertain as, a, as an acceptable offer. Some, some places won't accept uh, anything but cash or conventional offers. So that's kind of like a, a disadvantage. So if the vet or if the client is looking through Zillow or realtor.com, they don't know if that particular house that they're falling in love with is actually going to take a VA loan. Our local MLS system will allow us to go ahead and put that filter into the search criteria so that the, the veteran is only looking at VA applicable homes that the loan will actually go for on that house. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big uh, time saver because a lot of guys are like, oh, and they start sending me all these Zillow links. Hey, what do we think about this one? What do we think about this one? So I go on the MLS and I cross-reference that property and I'm like, yeah, that's not, they're not going to accept a VA loan. I can, I can call and ask them, but either the condition of the property is not going to meet the criteria of the VA appraisal or uh, maybe the seller just doesn't want to deal with a VA government-backed loan. That doesn't sound right, but we'll leave that. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave I mean, like, like I said, that, and that's the reason why professional help in this particular, because like I said, nobody's buying a house every day of, you know, every week of the month or every week of the year. So they're like, oh, well, I know this backwards and forwards. So, it, you know, when you do this on average, what they say, seven years is when they, the average person uh, moves. So if you're doing this once every seven years, there's a lot of things yeah. that you need help with. And when you're a buyer, at least for me, like we don't have any buyer's fees. Uh, some brokerages will charge you a couple hundred bucks. Uh, we don't have that. So basically if you came down here, the seller is actually paying their agent and then the buyer's brokerage and, and me. So all that, all that fee stuff is not getting added on to the buyer. Now, when you go to sell your house, then your listing agent is going to say, hey, and they, they tell you about the different expenses of listing your home and what that's going to entail, marketing this and that, and then also bringing the buyer's agent and the buyer's brokerage over Et cetera, et cetera. Well, so so tell me, you know, a lot of the community that listen to this podcast are from the Northeast, as as this is where it began. But yep. a lot of them are moving to Florida. We uh, we took the step of getting licensed in Florida for that exact purpose because we want to continue to provide the service for people that we've been working with up here. Why would someone choose Tampa and the Tampa area over another area in Florida? Well, if you're a sports fanatic, you're not going to call it Tampa. You're going to call it Champa. <laughs> right on. So, um, so no, listen, I mean, you know, I, I was born and raised in upstate New York. My family moved down to Marco Island, which is just further south. Uh, it's basically right before you hit the Everglades on the Gulf Coast here as well. But that was way back in the day. So, um, you know, I, after I graduated college and I kind of was just looking to, you know, I guess, I don't want to say settle or, you know, basically plant roots, but I was like, okay, what's a cool place that I would, that I would see myself in. 
Um, I didn't really see myself in Orlando. I think Orlando with, with Walt Disney World and all the different attractions to me, and again, this is, this is just opinion, that just to me just always meant like tourist attraction. Um, Miami, I'm not bilingual. Uh, I've traveled to Miami quite a you know, number of times. I love the atmosphere, but it's kind of like any one of the major metropolitan areas in the United States. Great place to visit, but I just can't see my, I'm, I just need a little bit more decompression. I don't need the traffic and, you know, the yelling and the, 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 the tightly compacted, you know, just people on top of people. Um, Jacksonville is cool. I don't mind Jacksonville. I just feel like the Gulf Coast beaches, which is kind of like the number one draw that you always hear when people are traveling, like, you know, hey, you're going to go to Breckenridge because you want to go snow skiing. You're going to go to Florida because you want to go to the beaches. So Clearwater Beach is always like that trip advisors, like top 10 beach. They're always like number one, number two, number three, you know, for however long that that poll has been been happening. Um, aside from just, you know, the draw of sports and you have Bush Gardens and you have, you know, the proximity to, you know, if you want to go to Orlando, you want to go check out Mickey Mouse World, you can. Um, the beaches, there's fishing, you know, all the different, you know, the, the great thing about this right now is I'm wearing <laughs> I'm wearing shorts and t-shirts, uh, you know, which is, you know, so my wife gets a little bit bummed out. She's like, I wish it was cold. I was like, no, I don't. I like opening up the windows and just having it like perfect outside and, you know, not having to worry about wearing like six different layers of clothing. But um, Tampa for me is just, it's got a big city feel without all of the, the, the really tight compact because St. Pete, Clearwater and Tampa are all spread out with the Bay. So you have all these big city attributes, but they're kind of spread out nicely enough and the, and, the, and the infrastructure with all the roadways is actually done pretty well that you can get pretty quickly from here to there without you know too much time on track. So it's really the Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater area that- Yeah, like you, when, you, when, you say, when you say Tampa, you kind of you, you more or less say Tampa Bay yeah. because Clearwater, St. Pete and Tampa have always been kind of clustered as this this three-pronged, you know, head uh, for for the for the MSA of Tampa Bay. Got it. Okay, so I get it. Tampa area has got a metropolitan feel in three different ways. It's got the best beaches. It's a growing area. It's got businesses. It's got restaurants. It's got fishing. But why Wade? Why would I? Why would someone come down and work with Wade to find that house? Good question. So if you're a buyer and you're going to be coming to uh, Tampa, um, there's a number of different ways that, you know, I, I get my referrals. So let's just say, for example, because of our mutual friend, uh, you're coming down here because, you know, your friend, our friend, Michelle said, hey, call Wade because, you know, he's, he's the go-to guy. My, I guess my shtick is I think that my, my business mentality is I want to be treated I, I want to treat my clients the way that I want to be treated. So if I, um, and when I'm making large purchases, I don't want to be just kind of like brushed off, like, oh, just, you know, just trust me, just do this. No, I want to, I want to, you got to explain to me why it is that we're doing this so that when I'm writing my name on this piece of paper several times to do the mortgage, I now understand that I'm comfortable and I have no buyer's remorse. So from a buyer's perspective, if you're, if, if you're coming down to Florida you know, I try to get a holistic approach of like, okay, Mark, what is it that you like to do? Do you like to go to the beach? Do you like to go to restaurants? Do you want to be kind of out, you want to be kind of out away from people? Do you like being in HOAs? Do you like, you know, so I try to find out a little bit more about what your why is, what your, what your draw is and what, what's important to you. Um, 
And so once we've kind of like narrowed down the geography of what we're looking at, then we start going into the nuances of, okay, this is how the current market is right now. So working with your particular price point in the areas that you're looking at, I'm going to go ahead and set you up on, on the searches. The searches are basically coming directly to you from the MLS. Um, and then when you start seeing houses that you like, we can either do one of two different things, depending upon your travel time coming down here. Uh, you know, obviously the, the great thing about technology, especially with COVID, is made it possible that people can do FaceTime videos or Zoom, like, you know, like some kind of like face-to-face -face video tour of a property. My background in construction has helped me kind of identify properties that I think are worth our time. And I don't mean to sound like, you know, like, oh, I know everything, but it's definitely helpful for me to go into a house and, ex and just see face-to-face -face. because the pictures, you probably know this yourself, you see it being like, wow, this house looks so great and this and that, but they're just showing you, you know, a few dozen pictures. But when you get to the house, either the flow is choppy or, you know, there's a lot of lipstick on this pig and it's not as pretty as it, it, it appears to be online. So I go through with you and I, I go through and I'm checking out all the different things. I'm like, oh, look at this. This is very nice. I get real close and I said, okay, you see this little stress crack right here? This is probably because we have some foundational issues. If you look at the grade of the dirt, you can't really see all of those little nuances unless you're there in person. So depending upon the way that you're gonna go, that'll help you kind of eliminate the houses or get them, get them whittled down to a, a more manageable list of things that will work for you. If you're here in person, again, I'm gonna do that same kind of uh, walkthrough process where both of us are gonna look at the house objectively. And we're gonna try to make sure that we understand what we're getting into. Because the last thing, especially in this market, is you don't want to be so nitpicky that the seller just basically just says, okay, well, we're just going to go and cancel the contract if you want me to go ahead and fix that cracked light switch cover, because that's ridiculous. So I try to manage people's expectations by saying, okay, listen, we're looking at this house. They said that the roof was done you know, five years ago. The air conditioning was done three years ago. The plumbing and electrical all look to be original. We'll check out the breaker panel, make sure it's not overloaded. It doesn't look like there's you know, a bunch of duct tape and balsa wood holding it together. I'll take a look at just the, the face value things of the house that make sense. And then I'll say, okay, I think that this house is a great catch. I think this is, you know, one of the better, more well-kept and updated. And we'll just kind of talk about it. Again, this is all about, it's almost like having a boss and a manager. I'm going to come to you. You're the boss. And I'm the manager. I'm going to have a discussion with you. Very honest and open discussion with you. And I'm going to say, I think that this house is going to go for X amount of dollars. And it could be at, at asking price or over. Now, it just depends on your motivation. How, you know, how badly do you like this house? Does this house remind you of your childhood that you want to move in there right now? And you're going to basically pay, you know, 5% over asking price to basically acquire this property. Fantastic. If you're like, you know what, I've got a lot of buyers that are like, I can't see myself paying over market value. And then I just, I, I get real honest with them. I'm like, okay, well, this may not be the market for you right now. So I have no problem showing you houses after houses after houses, but you might be getting, you know, kind of buyers burnout. And that's, that happens quite a bit. It's, and especially with my veteran buyers, you know, they're, they're very steadfast in their, in their decision-making. And they're like, yeah, I'm only going to pay this much money. And then I'm like, well, then we need to start looking at some areas where they're not so popular. We need to kind of go out a little bit further. Maybe, you know, have your commute time to, to the, to the areas that you want to be at five or 10 miles further out than where you want to be, because then you'll have less competition in those more rural areas. If you are a seller and you want to basically why Wade, I think my, my process is this. Um, I always use professional photography on all of my video, on all of my uh, listings. I don't care if it's a hundred thousand dollar house or if it's a million dollar house, I'm always going to do video drone work, uh, still pictures. And I, I use the same company 
because I have a relationship with them and they know that I'm very particular, very anal about how I want things to look. So I don't want to go into a house and have it look like it, it, it should look as if it were staged, even if you're living there. And that can be done. That's, that's easily attainable. And again, like I said, this is a partnership between me and the client. And if their main goal is like, we got to get out of here as fast as possible. I'm like, okay. So then what you're telling me is that you want me to bring a photographer in here right now. And the house isn't like, you know, completely, you know, tip top shape, take pictures and then get it on the market. Yep. Go. And I'm like, okay. But just let me remind you, I think we're going to get, you know, better results if we go ahead and do this or do that. And if we've got time to do the three D's declutter, depersonalize and deep clean the house and maybe do some landscaping on the front to give you that first, you know, wow impact look when you, when you, when the person drives up to the home, all of these things are going to basically keep, you know, being more and more uh, alluring to the client when they walk in the house. Oh, wow. Got great curb appeal. They get inside. Oh, wow. It smells lovely. It smells clean. It's open. It's, it's airy. It's bright. It's this, it's that. Everything looks like it's because a well-maintained looking home is obviously going to have more demand for it. So aside from the marketing and aside from the brand recognition, aside from all that, I also try to do a lot of stuff on social media that you've seen uh, on my Wade's world, uh, because I feel like that's just kind of capturing the newer buyers, you know, your millennial buyers, as well as, you know, the, the old school guys are the ones that are looking, you know, online as well, but they're maybe not, they may not be on social media as much as the younger generations are. So I try to cover both the older and newer buyers. Are you seeing some of the younger buyers come into the area? Yeah, my son just bought a house. Um, so my son, case in point, he, he'll be 26 next week. Uh, he's been working for Home Depot corporate up in Atlanta. He's been up there for three years after he graduated from the University of Florida. Uh, he does basically data. He's a computer science engineer guy. So he's been uh, basically doing like their, their software engineering and they are, you know, that's, that's a very high demand field. So they're trying to keep him happy. And they, they basically made a special circumstance for him. Uh, they said, Hey, listen, you know, you've been working at your apartment for the last 18 months, you know, how's everything going? And, you know, so one of the conversations that he had with his, his manager was that he would like to move back to now Tampa. So we came down here and to kind of go off on a tangent, we were looking at renting. So Rents here in, in Florida, I would imagine nationwide are, are pretty crazy, but rents year over year have been going up just drastically. Um, you've probably been hearing the same thing up in Massachusetts where you're just, you, you see, you know, somebody goes in there, they're renting a, you know, one bedroom place for like 900 bucks. And the guy, this actually happened to a friend of mine, the uh, landlord says, hey, I'm going to go in there. I'm going I'm to take out uh, all the countertops, put in granite, put in stainless steel and paint the place, you know, a few thousand dollar investment. And the guy's like, okay, perfect. So they go ahead and they sign up a new contract and the guy doubled the rent to $1,800. So I know that's just, you know, a story, but you know, it, it's happening where people are, they're getting gouged from a, from a rental perspective or the, the rents are just so obscene because the inventory is trickling down into that market, into that segment where if there's no homes and you need to be here, what are you going to do? You're going to have to rent and you have to maybe hold, hold, you know, kind of wait and see, and see what the hold happens in 12 months to see if the market is softened up a little bit where there's some more inventory. So everything has been kind of like, you know, snowballing off of that where inventory has been low. It's been low ever since I got into real estate, but it was more manageable. It was probably like around two and a half months worth of inventory when I first got into, into real estate. Um, I think last year it didn't, it never got above one month's worth of inventory supply. And so the whole, the, the balance, the, the fulcrum point is six months. 
that's when it goes, that's when it balances between a seller's and a buyer's market. So it's, it's been a seller's market ever since I've been in real estate. But yes, my son moved down here and he was looking at rentals and, you know, he was looking at higher than a mortgage payment would be. So we actually bought it. He actually bought himself a, a nice uh, villa, three bedrooms, two bathrooms, 1600 square feet. And it's his, his mortgage is less with the HOA that takes care of the outside and some of his like water and electric and, and or not water, electric, water, sewer and trash. I think his maintenance of his outside and then the maintenance of the grounds. And there's also a pool. So he's paying less than he would uh, for rent. Wow. He's building equity. Because I think there's a lot of hesitancy from the young families coming to Florida thinking, oh, it's only a retirement area. Oh, God, no. The, the, uh, the median age in Florida is 42 years old. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Look at that. A, percep- a perception busted right there. One of the things when we were talking about your unique skill set that you glossed over that I think is, is truly unique is you come from a construction background. So you start talking about looking at a house and you see this stress in the wall and it's got to be a foundation. There's not a lot of agents who have that skill set in their, in their tool chest. Um, I, I don't know necessarily. I think if, if you're going to be, listen, I, I, I don't, I don't claim to be the best. I just claim to do my best. So I'm going to, I'm going to out hustle and out perform because that's the only thing that I know how to do. Like, I don't ever want to be looked at as like, oh yeah, there's that average guy or doing this or, you know, I don't do anything, excuse the expression, half-assed because my father instilled into me at a very young age, if you're going to do something that's going to take some time, you might as well do it right. So you don't have to redo it. And so that's kind of been my mentality going forward ever since I can remember Um, my, my outlook on being a real estate agent isn't just, Oh yeah, I'm going to basically show you this house, set the contract up, you sign it. And then 30 days later, you'll see me at the closing table when I'm collecting my check. That's not me. Um, my whole concept is, is that this is an experience and there's all, this is an emotional roller coaster ride for the buyer or the seller. So paramount items would be communication, um, honesty, transparency, like you mentioned earlier. And then if I can bring some of my previous, I guess, experiences or skills to the table to kind of help aid with the decision process for either the buyer or the seller, then we'll do that. So I actually, case in point, I actually had a really nice listing appointment uh, with, a, with a, a lister, with a seller down in South Tampa. And South Tampa is kind of like the, like the Rodeo Drive of Tampa. It's, everybody wants to be there. Houses are very, very uh, expensive because it's just kind of like the place to be. Um, but you have a lot of older homes because of just the, the age of how everything built out from Ybor City with the cigar rolling factories. And then obviously South Tampa with Medill Air Force Base, everything kind of like grew out from there. So there's some older homes. This gentleman had a two-story wood house that had been, originally when it was built in the 40s, it was a, I think like 1,500 square foot house. And then when I went to go do the listing appointment with him, it was like a 3,600 square foot house. So we kept on being built on, built on, built on. So one of the things that we talked about during the listing presentation was, because he was actually, he, he explained to me, he's like, listen, I'm interviewing you and two other agents. And I said, okay, for, perfect. And I go, I, I appreciate the, the candor and I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you why I think I would be a, a good fit for you. So we're going through all this different stuff. And I was the second agent and he goes, uh, that they interviewed and, he, and he's going upstairs, we're in the bedroom and we go out to the bedroom back porch and there's this little bit of a, uh, an older wood back porch. 
And so we're standing on the back porch, we're looking at the views and this and that, and we're talking and he's like, so he goes, the other guy said I should uh, stage my home. And I said, well, are you planning on moving out before you list the house? And he's like, no. And I said, well, well, then we can just use your furnishings that you have here because you would have to, if you're gonna stage it, staging is when you have an empty house, you wanna bring in furniture, make the house look like it's lived in. And you, so people can kind of see placement of furnishings and things like that. So they can kind of get an idea of the layout. I go, but we can use what you have here. I go, if you're gonna, but that's gonna cost you another three to $5,000 for a house this size minimally to put in just a basic package. I go, I would rather you go ahead and let's go ahead. And, and since the house is, I don't want to say, you know, it, it wasn't well, it wasn't not well maintained. It was just that he didn't have the full breadth of history that he wanted to have understanding what he might be facing when he goes to the list. And I said, why don't you do a pre-listing inspection? I go, it's not necessary. I go, it's going to come out of your pocket, but it'll give you an idea of what you're looking at when you go to put the house on the market. Because if there's an active leak in the roof, you don't want the buyer to be like, oh, great, there's an active leak on a roof on a million dollar house. How well has this guy been maintaining this property? You want to show, you know, like you don't bring your car down to the dealership. You want to, you know, when it's got kids, you know, food everywhere and it's dirty, you want to, you know, spit shine it up and clean it and vacuum it and make it look good. So I go, you want to basically, you know, make sure that the house is in, in good working order. And then the inspector will tell you where you see some errors or where you see some areas that need some attention before you list. And then there, then you can understand what you're going into. Um, but long and short, yeah, I mean, uh, I, 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 again, I'm sorry, I lost kind of train of thought there, but, uh, as far as, as far as just being, you know, from a construction background, circling into that, I, I always want to see how my background and my experiences can help out my clients because they, I think, appreciate the, the little extra that they can provide. I think it provides a lot of extra, right? I mean, you're in the house business. If you understand how a house works and is constructed, it's it goes a long way for both buyers and sellers. But sure. Wade, um, I want to ask you a couple of um, really important questions that we ask everybody. But when someone completes the experience with you, whether it's the buyer or the seller, and they sit down and they're going to write out a review for you, what mm -hmm. does that sound like? Wade was, Wade did fill in the blanks. Um, so, God, it sounds like I'm being braggadocious. Um, well, I'm asking you to do it though. So, you know, don't, don't, uh, I, I get that, but think about from the reviews that people have had and the experience, yeah. basically the mission that you're trying to accomplish every single time. So, I mean, I think, I think what I, what I, I, I want people to remember me by is that it was, it was just, like I said, there was those, 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 those pillars of, you know, honesty, transparency, hustle. Um, you know, I'm, I, I carry this little cell phone around with me everywhere I go. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, but that's just, that's how I would want to be treated. Like, because this is a, this is a very stressful experience. So I know being on the other side, if I've got a question, I want that question to be answered as, as quickly as possible. If not, I'm going to be like fretting over it all day, all night. And so I'm not a very, uh, like people always email me stuff. I'm like, dude, I want to get things, I want answers right now because I want to move on instead of just letting, hiding behind an email or hiding behind a text. So I prefer the conversation because I feel like I can hear your tonality, your, inf your voice inflection and stuff like that a lot better than just a bunch of letters typed on a text or an email. So um, I would want a review to be 
and I, I think I, 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 I strive for this in all of my, uh, in all of my relationships with my, with my clients is just honesty, integrity, knowledge, um, and doing the right thing for my clients at all times. And picking up the phone. Picking up the damn phone. <laughs> picking up the phone. So Wade, what we're looking to do with all of our guests in the future is to get together and have an event where they all meet each other and get together. And one of the the focal points of that event is going to be karaoke. And we do that because everyone who has come along and shared their stories has expanded their comfort zone a little bit. They've put themselves out a little bit. And I think karaoke is the greatest icebreaker of putting yourself out there and expanding that comfort zone. So when we get there and Wade Cleary's time is up on the mic, what's he gonna sing? Jesus. Uh, well, I, I, I love music. I love music and I love movies. Um, I think it's a great way to escape and just kind of get you into a good mood. Um, I unfortunately wish I had the voice of Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam, uh, <laughs> but I probably have Ernest Borgnine's voice. Uh, so I, I know I can't hold a tune to save my life. There's a couple of songs that are in a very flat key or a very not challenging key that I, I can kind of sing along with in the car and my wife is like oh my god your voice is so beautiful I'm like <laughs> you don't really know but um you know the the easy song that I could probably go up there with minimal drinks uh would be the clash should I stay or should I go ah pretty it's a pretty easy go-to song without actually uh hitting too many high notes and uh difficult challenge I was gonna say bohemian rhapsody but I might as well just, oh. go, ahead just, just go ahead just throw me throw the bag over my head and just start yeah <laughs> Should I stay or should I go? I love that. Should I stay or should I go? Should I go to Tampa? So Wade, if someone decides that they want to go to Tampa, mm -hmm. what is the best way to find and connect with you for that professional guidance? Um, so contact information, cell phone is the fastest. So 813-765-5085. If you just want to kind of... Uh, get to know me a little bit more, you can check out my social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, uh, Wade Cleary. Uh, I also have a kind of like a, a handle Wade's World Tampa. Uh, I was trying to spin off on the on the Wayne's World from Saturday Night Live. It. I love it. So Wade's World Tampa or Wade Cleary Realtor. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, those are the easiest ways to get a hold of me. Um, like I said, I don't like email because I can't respond immediately because I'm usually out in the field or doing something, but Wade Cleary at Yahoo is my email. I love it. And folks who are listening right now and grabbing that pen, don't stress. If you open up in the show notes, you can click right through to some of those contacts that Wade is sharing with us. Wade, thank you for sharing your stories, your wisdom, your guidance with us. Uh, your community, our community is going to be eternally grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Secure Title. 
Secure Title helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Secure Title, S-E-C-U-R-I-T-I-T-L-E.com, where security and title come together. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.